welcome to How I Got Here, the inside stories of startups and innovation in travel and transportation with your hosts, FocusWire's Kevin May and Mozio's David Litwack. Hello, everyone, and welcome to How I Got Here, Mozio and FocusWire's weekly podcast about innovators in travel and transportation. Today, we're joined by Josh Wyatt. Josh was a co-founder and chief strategic officer of Generator Hostels, one of the world's first design-led lifestyle hostel businesses. And he's now <clears throat> chief executive of Neuhaus, a private cultural and collaborative space for prominent creatives, artists, and entrepreneurs. Thanks for joining us, Josh. David, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So we like to start every one of these interviews off the same way, which is for us to ask you how you got here. Well, how I got here was through a very circuitous journey. Uh, I, I've always been an entrepreneur uh, and someone who has enjoyed starting things and, and building things. However, in 2006, I had sort of hit a wall. Um, I just graduated from uh, Harvard Business School and I was working for uh, a really brilliant boss in, in, in a great private equity fund, but I was getting an itch to, to go out on my own. Um, and at the time, I ended up taking about six months off uh, and stayed in touch and, and affiliated with this private equity fund. But my boss, to his great credit, um, allowed me to travel the world uh, and think for six months. And so I actually went to 27 countries, all seven continents, uh, and studied different ideas around the concept of hospitality. And the thing that really leapt out to me at that time was the fact that in the hostel space, no one had ever really done a boutique design-driven experience-based hostel that could sort of stand on its own and show, sort of show its face uh, up against the boutique hotel industry. And so, you know, now, I guess 13 years later, um, after many journeys and you know having having uh, taken Generator from where it was in 2007 to uh, where we were able to get it to, which was an exit in 2017, um, you know I was able to really build something that I was very proud of. But not only being proud of, but something that I do think fundamentally changed how millennials travel and how they experience great design and, and great programming and. Now, as I sit here today in the middle of uh, the middle of the coronavirus pandemic, um, I think some of the lessons that I was able to learn with Generator, um, we've been able to apply to Neuhaus. And uh, I, I like where I'm sitting in, in the chair today. I think we, um, we have some great future ahead of us at Neuhaus and, uh, and a lot of good lessons learned from the Generator days. Very cool. Um, so I'd love to delve a little bit more into like the founding of Generator. Um, you were the co-founder of, you could say, the uh, the modern version of Generator, but as you've told me, there was a previous in, uh, incarnation of Generator. I'd love if you could elaborate on kind of where that was and, and how that entire story. Yeah, I, I think in life, you know, they, they always say uh, uh, the, the pioneers get the arrows and the settlers get the gold. Uh, so the, the first mover typically, you know, has a great idea uh, but oftentimes is not able to execute uh, and, and roll out a concept to scale. So you see this all the time, whether it's in technology, travel, real estate, uh, brands, whatever it may be. It's the second or third uh, owner, CEO, um, or team that, that really gets the, the concept to its, its full 
uh, its full capacity. And, and that's what happened in Generator. So Generator was actually founded by uh, very much of sort of a Guy Ritchie uh, style character, uh, uh, very, very tough entrepreneurial, uh, uh, g- older gentleman who, you know, had a particular penchant for, uh, <laughs> uh, low income, uh, housing, uh, you know, some, some people would almost call him the slumlord. Uh, he found this great piece of real estate in the middle of Russell square in London, uh, which at the time was, was a, 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 a decent, but still somewhat rough place. And um, he started Generator out of a, a police, a former police barracks and low-income housing shelter. Um, the the genesis of Generator really was a low low rent, low touch point, very low priced, big volume hostel concept. And when I came across it, I was thinking of starting my own hostel business, as I mentioned after traveling around and studying uh, the industry. But I, I fell in love right away with the name. I mean, the name Generator just had such a powerful name of energy, uh, of, of possibility. You know, you, you walk into a building named Generator, you think to yourself, especially if you're a 20-year-old kid, hey, you know, like, what's going to happen tonight, right? And so that, that name, to me, was worth every penny that we paid for it back in, in early 07. Uh, and as a result of that transaction, we actually took, you know, the name really only, but everything else we stripped away uh, that, that this gentleman had done. So, you know, great initial inspiration and a, and a great sort of founding story, if you will. But the, the, real, the real life of Generator started in 2007 uh, when I stepped in and, and we had the backing of a, a great private equity fund uh, called Patron Capital, which is now, you know, 10 times bigger than it was back then and, and has gone on to great success. Um, so, you know, I, I always find that you can have being an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean having the most original idea. It being an entrepreneur means that you're able to fight through certain cycles to bring people together, to bring capital together and to bring brand ideas together. And that's exactly what we did uh, at, at version 2.0 of generator. So what, what like maybe elaborate a little bit, what, what did you strip out and how, what was the angle that you took to make it version 2.0? So obviously that part of the tagline I mentioned earlier was like design oriented. Um, you know, I, I've read you know a lot about the boutique hotel you know industry from Ian Schrager and and, and kind of like what they did for hotels. What was your angle for hostels? So I, I always felt that the the younger customer. So so you have to remember back in two thousand six and seven, the word millennial did not exist. So you know I was looking at the industry more of what, what do young people like. And, and what should they be introduced to? And, and at the time, the, the, the travel industry, I think, frankly, was very cynical towards younger people. They just didn't give the younger generation the credit that perhaps younger people deserved in terms of whether or not they were savvy. So typically, just like the version 1.0 generator, you'd have a very poorly designed product, very cheaply designed with cheap alcohol, cheap food, poor quality, big volume. Uh, And no one had ever done the um, sort of the forward looking elements that we did at Generator in the hostel space. So as you mentioned, I very much was and am inspired by uh, by Ian and Andre Balaz and and, uh, at the time Alex Calderwood, who was the founder of ACE, he subsequently passed away very tragically. But those three pioneers in the space really motivated me and inspired me back in, in 2005, six, seven. Uh, and I figured, you know, I probably will never be quite as well known or 
famous as Ian Schrager, having, you know, he having founded Studio 54. Um, I, I certainly wasn't born wealthy, um, uh, so I couldn't start my own hotel company. Uh, but I felt that I could be inspired by them and bring those elements of design, the elements of programming, the elements of food quality, uh, the elements of design quality and brand quality down into the, the youth travel market. And then all of a sudden this word, the, the millennial came out of nowhere. And, you know, the subsequent decade from 2010 onward with the confluence of not only the word millennial, but the explosion of social media. Again, you have to remember in 2007, Facebook like barely existed. Instagram barely existed. I mean, it was only the, the, the unique first movers were using Instagram. And even Facebook back then still was mostly for universities, even though they opened it up to outside, you know, in, in late 2005 to outside of university. But, you know, it was the, the very, very initial steps of how young people were using media to share ideas. But if you looked at what happened between 2010 to 2017 to when we sold Generator, this massive explosion of imagery and of moments really came to the forefront of how young people, indeed how everyone, uh, was using images and, and inspiring themselves. So you, you didn't have to be a super educated, super wealthy, global you know, trust fund kid uh, to know what design looks like. By, by 2015, everyone was using Instagram. Snapchat was coming online very powerfully. So all of a sudden you could be sitting in your university in Kansas or in Florida or in Santiago, Chile or wherever it may be, and you're, you're thumbing through Instagram, through Snapchat, through Pinterest, still maybe using Facebook. I mean, Facebook was starting to die out with the, with the younger generation then. But that, that digital visual medium that started to really influence people played very well for us at Generator. And we were way ahead of the curve. We were five or 10 years ahead of the curve in terms of designing and programming spaces for those moments. And obviously people started to copy Generator and they, they started to copy what we were doing with design. But... Till, till that point, till about 2014, 15, um, no one had ever thought about the fact that young people would be just as inspired as their parents, let's say, um, and be inspired, by the way, to also spend money on good design and, and good programming. So it was something that we found to be a very powerful combination. Uh, hi, Josh. It's uh, Kev here in, in London, where your very first hostel was uh, located. I mean, I, I find this transition fascinating. I interrailed all around Europe three or four times in the nineties and all around Southeast Asia and stuff. And there was, there was never any sense from my perspective that backpackers were, for example, were seeking something that was any more than five pounds a night or whatever, you know, that it, it's interesting that there was that transition, as you say, from quite happy to, you know, slum it, as you might say, to, suddenly wanting something a little bit more closer to a hotel. Do you think if you hadn't have hit that generation of people that um, were seeking things that were slightly a bit more upmarket, as it were, that the concept of a design-led hotel would have, or a design-led hostel would have not materialized? Is it purely that reason that they kind of bought into this idea of, you know, scaling up, going a bit upmarket? I think that the the presence and, and we we absolutely looked at the confluence of social media and its impact on travel and we yeah. saw we, we weren't prepared in 2007 we weren't prepared to bet 150 million euros 
on the future of this confluence, but we were prepared to bet 25 million euros, which is what we did. So we started out with a couple properties and we gradually rolled out the concept. But as we found more proof of concept with the fact that younger travelers were willing to spend the size of their wallet larger on good design and good programming, um, we, we put more money behind the concept. So we ended up putting 150 million euros of, of equity capital into the transaction to scale. Uh, from you know the original London and Berlin properties to um, all over Europe and, and the United States, the 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 thinking is the same as what Apple did. Albeit you know <laughs> we would never be so arrogant to compare ourselves to <laughs> Apple. Had. But if you looked, if we 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 did this business case quite often when we were pitching our our investors. If you look at how Apple treated their design for their computers back in the in the the first couple product launches. And subsequently, how they treated their, the approach to phones, their view was that someone can go and buy a computer, a PC, uh, and spend, let's say, 50% less than what an Apple, what a Mac would cost, right? Same thing with the phone. You can go buy a, a very cheap burner phone, or you can go buy an iPhone. And the difference in the, the use of that Mac or the use of that iPhone was just so much better, and it was so much more inspirational and it said something about you in terms of who you are if you were carrying around an iPhone versus carrying around a cheap Nokia phone. We, we felt the same thing would happen in travel. And that's what we did with Generator. We said, look, you know, people will be proud and inspired to say that they're staying at Generator. It's, uh, and- sorry. No, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm just trying to imagine what those first, you know, how did you approach marketing you know you've you've uh, overhauled the one in london and you're putting it on the market and you open the doors on day one i mean how did you think about how you were going to attract people to come in it i mean there must have been a either a fairly complicated marketing campaign or you went straight for a particular subset that you perhaps second guessed would be willing to as we say upgrade well i think in in any great concept and this is where i think a lot of entrepreneurs and, and investors have been I think, frankly, um, in a way, misled by this overemphasis on growth. I, I think any great concept takes a couple of years to get right. And fortunately, at Generator, we had uh, investors and, and my boss was very patient. It took us five years to figure out how to really get to the, the core of the market. Yeah, so in 2007, we were just learning about how to really approach the marketing strategy that we wanted to employ. And what we found out was that really focusing on the visual medium of how people are making purchase decisions and the fact that most people age 18 to 34 have a very distinct set of needs when they are traveling uh, and staying in a hostel. And those needs are really focused around social moments. So, you know, every hotel, every boutique hotel now, now talks about community and experience but we were really the first, I think, at scale in the, in the hostel space to really focus on that from a marketing perspective. So we talked a lot and showed a lot about what you would feel when you walked into Generator. And again, it's the best brands in the world make you feel something. You aspire to, to feel a certain way when you buy a Nike shoe or when you hold an iPhone or when you're staying in an Andre Palaz hotel. And we wanted to do the same thing for Generator. What do you feel when you walk into that lobby for the first time what do you feel when you turn your head you know to the right and you see an incredible bar and as a 20 year old you know especially if you're an american 
uh, you know, a lot, a lot of these, these customers had never seen design like this. And it was really, it was democratizing the, the travel experience so that, again, that person who's spending 15, 20 euros or dollars or pounds can have the same incredible design and bar and social experience that you would if you're walking into Chiltern Firehouse. You know, it's, it's, the, same, it's the same feeling you get whether you're spending five pounds on a pint of beer uh, you know, or 500 pounds on an incredible bottle of wine, that, that psychological pleasure that you get from feeling that you're, you're experiencing something new and exciting and fresh uh, and comforting and inclusive is something we really focus on at Generator. And, and that lesson has really st- stuck with me in any hospitality concept that I've worked with. So I wanted to actually follow up on that comment you made about um... Uh, settlers getting the gold, pioneers getting the arrows. And I, I thought that was really interesting. I, I actually read an article a few days ago about man repeller. I had to look up what man repeller was, but apparently how after 10 years, it was going out of, out of business and some fashion blog that became a, a fashion company. And it was this woman's aesthetic. And I remember what they said was that um, it was probably going out of business because everyone adapted her aesthetic and it was just normal now. And it was standard and it was no longer that unique. And like, You know, some of that seemed to be echoed by what you said about how people kind of were imitating. And my question, you know, to you is I'm actually curious, do you consider yourself in this case to be the pioneer and some of these other, you know, hostels, uh, you know, post generator are more the settlers or how did you how did you deal with that? I, I think I think we got it right in the sense that we yes, I mean, look, we. How can I phrase this? I, I, my professor at, at Harvard Business School in real estate once told me uh, a, a line that I found to be very instructive in life. He said, you know, Josh, the only time that I've actually ever lost money is when I didn't sell. Meaning that the only way that you can actually earn a return is to figure out a time to exit an investment. At Generator, yes, you know, did we have complementers and copiers that came in that impacted our business? Sure. I mean, towards the end, uh, we saw large companies like Hilton, Accor, and even Marriott copy the model. Uh, I mean, even Ian Schrager. I mean, one, one of the most um, sort of exciting moments in my hospitality career was when I was meeting with Ian at his offices and I was looking around. His, his office is incredible. It has all the, all the old memorabilia of Studio 54 and the hotels he's done with Morgan's Hotel Group and, and now the addition. And I was looking at his different mood boards and he had a whole bunch of pictures up of Generator on, on his wall in his office. And I, and I thought to myself, wow, you know, we sort of have made it if Ian Schrager has photos of, of Generator up on the wall. That was a cool moment. Um, so I, I do think that ultimately, you know, there's always a time to sell or there's always a time to go on and do something else. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to leave Generator, and it's and it's one of the reasons why we decided to sell. Uh, ultimately, you know, there's always another story. I mean, I, I I I've always been inspired by the CEOs or entrepreneurs who have led multiple companies to success. So there's plenty of CEOs or entrepreneurs out there who have like you know one hit wonder. You know, they go in and they build a company and they become well known for it. They make a lot of money, but they never really do a second thing great. Um, you know, and, and again, going back to the Apple example, like if you actually study Steve Jobs, the guy was amazing. He had, he actually had three companies that were incredibly powerfully financially, creatively successful. I mean, I, I mean, I, 
until you read his autobiography, you know, you don't, a lot of people don't know that he, he founded Pixar. And that's incredible. If you think about it and Apple, I mean, the Pixar is, you know, the best animation studio in the world. Maybe, I don't know, you know, maybe Disney at the time would, would, would have debated that comment, but obviously they, they ended up taking it over, but you know, Apple and Pixar, that's a great, that's a great one, two punch of a story with generator. I just felt it was time for us to, to, to move on. I was ready to move on. And, um, you know, now I'm at Neuhaus, which to me is like that second act, you know, I, I'm incredibly motivated and inspired by what Neuhaus does. And there's a lot of parallels to the Neuhaus story and generator. You know, I came in as CEO of Neuhaus. Neuhaus had two assets. It actually, today is, I think the two year anniversary of my, my starting as CEO, um, you know, great brand, great name, uh, two, two flagship assets. Um, but you know, a growth story that remains to be told. And that was, that was a very inspiring challenge for me to, uh, to take on. If we can, um, go back to the, uh, generator stuff for a moment, you mentioned you, lots of people always reference Ian Schrager as being an inspiration, but, uh, you know, given what you were doing is, as you say, was fairly um, fairly unique at the time with creating lifestyle type hostels. I mean, was there anyone, was there another brand in the industry, perhaps a hotel brand that you were taking on inspiration from to apply their aesthetic or their kind of management to what you were trying to do with Generator? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there were, there were several around the world. I mean, I, you know, since a very, um, you know, early age, I've always been inspired by hotels um you know my first uh i i grew up actually quite poor you know i i didn't come from a, a wealthy background but you know one of the few times that my mom and i traveled we stayed in this grand old hotel in charleston south carolina i think it was called the mills hotel hotel and i'll never forget that i was eight years old and i, I was just so taken aback by the experience of staying in a in a nice hotel I uh, just stuck with me. And so years later, I, I decided I wanted to be a hotelier. Um, so there's several brands and several individual properties that I always found to be really good, again, in bringing people together and making people feel great. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. When you walk away from a great restaurant or a great hotel, and you've had an incredible emotional experience where you can feel it, that's what the true artists in the hotel and restaurant space accomplish. So on an individual property basis, something like hotel cost, you know, even 25, 30 years later still is so phenomenal in terms of the energy and the vibe that they create in those public spaces. People don't even know what the rooms look like. They just know that they want to stay at a hotel cost because of the way that it brings people together and the way that they have that center bullpen pit area of a restaurant that everyone's looking at everyone else and feeling the energy. The standard by, that was created by Andre Balaz, it's now subsequently owned by someone else, but the standard experience, again, of bringing together multiple different moments, whether it's a fantastic restaurant, interesting curatorial retail, uh, and, uh, and multiple nightclubs under one roof, um, that type of energy is, is extremely hard to recreate. And, and Andre has always been very successful at that. And then um, looking at the more artistic side of things, you know, the, the Ace Hotel with the true soul that was, you know, the founder of Alex Calderwood and, and his, his subsequent yeah. partner, Brad Wilson. Um, Brad, you know, now having taken over the company and, and as, as president and CEO, um, the, their approach to, to the human side of hospitality, the human side of design, the analog feeling that you get when you're in the Ace Hotel, um, 
is it, again, it, it, it's an emotional, an aspirational emotional experience, meaning that you're looking forward to that experience of checking in. You're looking forward to sitting at the bar and having a drink. You're looking forward to playing that guitar that they put in all their rooms or listening to, to vinyl that they, um, that they have in their rooms. That, that emotional sense that some of the great hoteliers or the great properties have been able to create um, has always stuck with me. And I'm inspired by, by those types of brands. Fast forwarding now, you know, I think the, the industry is changing a bit in the sense that the properties that I think will inspire um, some of the memories that, that I've been sharing about feeling and emotion, I think are going to be centered around responsible, sustainable design, uh, being in touch with not necessarily nature per se, because it's pretty hard to be sitting in the middle of, you know, London, New York, New York City and truly be in touch with nature, but at least having an aesthetic sense of calmness, an aesthetic sense of, of what it means to be just another animal on this planet, which is, which is, what, we, which is what we are. And I think sometimes we forget that. So there, there's entrepreneurs out there in the space that you'll see in the next five years uh, will slowly roll out, I think, these new concepts that, in, that will be very much in touch with the, this, the, the, the primal sense of what it means to be human and what it means to be part of the overall ecosystem of, of our planet. I, talking of primal, if, <laughs> if I can, and for fear of kind of tarring an entire generation of hostile users almost, but, you know, I, I think it would be fairly fair to say that, you know, certainly in the backpacking community, the hostels were very just a place, very much a place to hang out and um, meet new people and 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 sleep, which is the one of the aesthetics that you've taken on board. But they, you know, I think because of the the, the perceived value of them is that they didn't treat them perhaps in the same way that they would a hotel. Did you find once you started opening them more and more of them that you were a, that the behaviour of and the type of um, uh, hostel users were changing over time or from the very, very beginning, if that makes sense. You know, this is something that I think from a wider societal perspective was touched on. I think it was touched on by Malcolm Gladwell and uh, with Tipping Point. But mm -hmm. if you design and program a space, whether it's a hotel or a city uh, or a government, um, and you, you, you program it with a sense of respect, you program and design it with a sense of wonder and awe, and you train your staff, you train your, uh, your community to really fall in love with the product or to fall in love with the neighborhood or the community that, that's out there, people will elevate their interaction with that hotel or hostel or with that community. We found that at Generator. The, fir the first iteration of Generator um, in London, you know, literally like you, you would walk through in the morning and you would smell, uh, you know, wisps of vomit and you'd see beer stains on the wall, uh, you know, and other various unpleasurable <laughs> things that I won't mention on this interview. Um, and over the years, as we upspect the design, we, we would see instead of people, um, you know, abusing the product, you would see them taking photos. You would see them placing their, their luggage nicely. You would see them treating things with respect. Instead of throwing paper on the ground or napkins on the ground and walking out, you'd see them use the, 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 the trash bins. So I think, you know, just like in anything like if, in life, if you treat something and design something with a sense of wonder and awe, 
and you're truly passionate about it, I think other people, customers, even, even if they're an 18 year old, you know, first time traveler going into a hostel and, and their only desire or goal is to get as drunk as possible, um, you know, or behave as badly as possible. I think you'll find that over time, the, the, the sense of respect um, will certainly shine through and the property will, will be treated better. So if you were to take photos and you can do this, you can go online and see if you were to Google, you know, generator 2005 and see the photos of the people and how they're behaving versus Google generator 2020 or 2017, you'll see a fundamental difference in, in what that customer looks like and how they're behaving within the, within the hostel. Now that said, that doesn't mean that the primal needs, the, the, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs of an 18 year old or a 22 year old is any different today than it was 15 years ago. I mean, let's be honest, like there are certain things that a 20 year old, a 25 year old, a 30 year old person wants to do when they are traveling, whether they're staying in a $500 a night luxury hotel or a 15 euro a night generator, right? There's, they want to socialize. They want to have a romantic moment. Uh, and I, I don't know if they use, they, they would not use the word romantic. I don't know if that's exactly accurate, but yes, they, <laughs> they want to do certain things with other people uh, or multiple other people. Uh, and, uh, you know, and they, and they want to sleep because they will get tired, you know, and, and they want to eat because everyone gets hungry. So there are, there are basic needs that have to be met. And we just tried to meet them in a, in a particular way that, uh, that brought pleasure uh, and brought a, a unique sense of memory to it. And just just before uh, uh, I kind of hand over to David, I'm mean, I'm 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 curious. You know, you you, you referenced at the beginning there, uh, Josh, about you know how the how the brands came along and uh, kind of um, did similar types of concepts. What kind of reaction did you initially get from the, you know, the 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 uh, the youth travel kind of community and other hostel owners to what you were doing? Did they just see you as a a hotel that was trying to target their audience or did they see you as a, a, a competitor from the hostel space? We were very negatively received by fellow hostel owners initially for, for three reasons. One was, um, you know, they didn't, they didn't know me, you know, from well, I can't remember the phrase, but they didn't know me from Adam, I guess. Is the that's phrase. the phrase. Yeah. That's the, one. um, you know, and, uh, you know, they would Google and see, okay, private equity owned Harvard Business School. Okay, this guy clearly, you know, in this firm that owns Generator clearly doesn't care. This is a, a money grabbing, um, uh, you know, sort of big brother style um, situation. So we were not well received. And in fact, when we first opened, um, I had a, a few competitors call me and, you know, basically say, look, you're never going to succeed. You don't understand the customer. Uh, you've gone way too high end, you're going to fail. Uh, and my response was a, was a nice one, I think, which was, look, we're not here to take your business. We're here to grow the market. You know, if you work with us, we can grow this. This is not a zero sum game. We are not taking customers from you. We are helping to grow awareness of the industry. And, and I have to say, I mean, it is absolutely what we did. We, we, we put hostels on the map. And when you put a new asset category on the map, that means that capital and press attention follows, which is only good for all these other hostel owners. So they didn't know it at the time, but you know, if I were to walk, bump into them today on the streets of London or New York or wherever, um, I would say to them, look, like you're way better off today than you were 13 years ago. This is a fact. You have more capital, you have more liquidity, you have um, much, it's much easier today to get an article published in uh, 
uh, Condé Nast Traveler or Travel and Leisure or New York Times. The, the, the hostel industry was never covered in the New York Times. We were the first ones to be covered. I'll never forget it. We had a huge full page spread uh, in September of 2013 when we opened up our Barcelona hostel. Um, you know, and it was like, it was a huge moment for the industry. And now it's like de rigueur, you know, every month you see an article on either hostels or micro hotel rooms, which are basically the same thing um, in Wall Street Journal and New York Times and Forbes uh, and Bloomberg, you know, but, but five, 10, 15 years ago, that was just not the case. So I think for those, for those people who, those owners who are, you know, extremely savvy, I think that they're very, um, I think they should be very grateful. It's a, a good segue into actually, you know, what you're up to now at, uh, at Neuhaus, because I feel like a similar transformation, you know, private clubs are plenty talked about, right? But uh, I'd say that, um, you know, outside of the UK, actually, they are still fairly novel. And, you know, every addition to kind of, you know, uh, private membership clubs maybe normalizes the idea of a new way of, of gathering and, and uh, intimacy within a city. And so that's kind of, you know, what you're up to next at Neuhaus. And so I'd love to, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that you, you've um, taken taken over two years ago as your anniversary, and it started with two properties. Um, and I know there's a lot of big things happening. So, you know, walk us through what your, you know, to quote you, your second act is. So Neuhaus, as, as, um, as you mentioned in the intro, is a private member's workspace and club focused on the creative community. Right now we're in New York and Los Angeles, uh, and we have, um, we've announced expansion into Miami uh, and, uh, and soon into Stockholm, um, the, and, and a wider European expansion as well. What attracted me to Neuhaus was this very similar dynamics, obviously completely different product from hotels or from generator, but what it has in common with some of the great hotel companies is a, is a deep sense of community. And as a, not only as a CEO, but just as someone who is always inspired by other people and by creative people, I wanted to be around that. I just, I figured that as a business model and as a personal life choice, working within a company and an organization that was really focused on creatives and creating a community for them worldwide was absolutely something that I could see myself doing for the next decade. Uh, I, I view life in terms of decades. Maybe that's completely um, the wrong way to look at it, but I, I think it's an easy way to look at it, which is, you know, in your, in your 20s, um, that there's, there's a very simple bookend between 20 and 30, and there's another nice bookend between 30 and 40, and so on and so forth. So I figured in my 40s and 50s, this would be a great um, place to focus on where I could build a great community with this incredible team that we have at Neuhaus. Uh, and and touch a lot of different lives in a positive way. And so we, you know, we've embarked on this great journey at Neuhaus. Um, you know, I came on board two years ago, and and I think we have a, a really strong run uh, coming up. So yeah, like, can we talk a little bit about what's next at Neuhaus? I, I would love to kind of delve into you. you you've got a big transaction on the horizon here. Or we we do, yeah. So. Look, I mean, we, like any other hospitality travel uh, or um, membership community-based um, business, you know, we're now entering in, in, into month nine of COVID. And like many other businesses in the space, we, we were hit just as hard as, as anyone else. Um, our, our business model is to um, sell effectively three moments to, to members and to people. One is the the 
ability for a company to come in and place its business out of Neuhaus, meaning that they will rent and work, rent space and work out of Neuhaus full time. The second um, model that we have is selling it to individual people um, where they'll come in and work as an individual freelancer or, uh, or creative. And then the third model is to run private events where we do huge film premieres, corporate functions, parties, fashion shows. Obviously that all stopped like a, a train hitting a brick wall um, on March 15th when we decided to shut down. We've subsequently reopened, but um, you know, COVID, COVID has forced everyone to, I think, think boldly or, or not make it. And we were forced to think extremely boldly um, starting in April, May, when we, when we figured out as a board uh, you know, and as a management team that we were just not going to make it unless we could pivot aggressively, which we, which we have. Um, we're very pleased to um, announce that um, we will be effectively merging with a uh, creative platform and uh, museum called Fotografiska, which is based out of Stockholm uh, and has just opened up their flagship in New York City. Um, it's a fantastic culture organization that has supported and highlighted some of the best and uh, most interesting emerging photographers around the world. Um, they too have a, a, a strong global creative community um, around photography and, and other cultural moments and have a very similar business model to ours uh, when it comes to private events and programming and, uh, and other uh, cultural influences within the building and outside in the digital realm. So, we're extremely excited to announce that, and uh, we'll be working together with Photografiska over the next uh, over the next couple of months to to really start to roll out both concepts uh, on a uh, you know certainly within the same cities uh, around the globe. Very cool. So I, before we kind of wrap up here, I wanted to actually just delve a little bit into like you know you said you need to dream big or not survive, and I think this is. Me and some entrepreneurs friends have talked about how 2020 is kind of when entrepreneurs get to, you know, uh, make your bones here, per se, or for sure if I'm getting the, the, the phrase right in this case now. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, you know, you guys have done some creative stuff at Neuhaus, um, specifically around, you know, launching a kind of novel outdoor restaurant. Um, I'd love if you could maybe delve a little bit into that mentality, and because I feel like, you know, this past nine months has been um, the demonstration of like, you know, you need to have grit if you are going to succeed as an entrepreneur. I, I couldn't agree with you more when it comes to the qualities needed to succeed in the COVID world. These qualities you do not need to learn at a fancy business school. Um, these qualities really probably should, should have been taught to you by your parents. It's hard work. It's grit integrity, kindness, and having a sense of clarity in your communications with your employees, your investors, your customers, uh, and your collaborators. If you, can, if you can approach your business or your idea using those tools, you will be successful as you navigate COVID. It's just that simple. And our team has taken on those qualities. We had the qualities before COVID, but they've certainly have been uh, reinforced, strengthened, honed, and coached over the last nine months. So let, let's take a real-life example, a real-time example. Uh, our team, when we got together to brainstorm in Madison Square in New York, was tasked with coming up with an idea 
that could change the dialogue of how outdoor activation works in New York City. So we, we decided to sort of wait through the summer to see how the outdoor dining experience would work and the outdoor meeting experience. And we took notes and our team was then tasked with coming up with something that would stand out from the crowd. And our head of design, Stephen Chen, and our director of marketing, Holly Murphy, got together in a room and the two of them came up with this absolutely fantastic concept called the Longhouse. Now, you know, these are two individuals on the team who um, are rising stars on the team, extremely strong employees, and they were given a long, uh, a long amount of rope to figure out how to solve the challenges that we are facing in Neuhaus. And I'm extremely proud of them from a personal perspective. And I'm proud of the wider, the wider Neuhaus team to be able to think boldly and do something that is, was just so different from everyone else uh, and so interesting uh, that it has continued to drive our team. And it's given confidence to our team, which I think is fantastic. And it's shown our members that even though financially things are challenging, we were willing to take a risk on not only our team, but take a risk on some ideas to be able to, uh, to deliver a new experience for our members. So it's, I'm very, very proud of, of how the team has responded here. Okay. Well, thank you so much, uh, Josh. We we're, we're right up against uh, our time for this, uh, this week's episode. So uh, on behalf of David and I, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Oh, that was great. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. No, I, re- I re- really appreciate the chance to, uh, to speak. Okay. Uh, and obviously, thank you to everybody for tuning in. This is another episode of uh, How I Got Here. That's uh, Mosio and FocusWise, a weekly podcast where we talk to the entrepreneurs and innovators in travel and transportation. So uh, if you're not a subscriber, you've just come across this randomly, you can subscribe by going to all the usual places. That's iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Alexa, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., And uh, subscribe and you'll get a new episode in your inbox every Thursday morning. So uh, once again, thanks to Josh and uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and we'll see you next time thanks for listening to how i got here podcast we'll be back next week with more inside stories behind startups and innovation in travel and transportation check mozio.com slash move for a complete write-up of the highlights of every podcast with translations into five languages and get your daily dose of news on the digital travel economy by subscribing to the newsletter at focuswire.com see you next week